This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Sound Mind Investing. For more than 30 years, do-it-yourself investors have relied on SMI for proven strategies and trustworthy guidance. SMI helps people build wealth so they can provide for their families, prepare for the future, and give generously. Learn more at soundmindinvesting.org. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Psalm 139. I am Rob West. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made, but not all alike. And those differences dictate how we do a lot of things. Matt Bell joins us again today to talk about how those differences can affect the way our kids manage money. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, our guest, Matt Bell, is the managing editor at Sound Mind Investing and the author of several books on personal finance, including his latest, Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money Management. And don't we all want to do that? Matt, great to have you back with us. Rob, it's great to be with you. So, Matt, we started this conversation last month in the program that aired on April 10th. Uh, We talked about teaching kids to earn, give, and save wisely, but there's much more in your book that, of course, we didn't get to. So I want to pick up the conversation today with temperaments, which you write a lot about. Let's start there. How do temperaments affect the way we and our kids manage money? Temperament is a huge factor. It's it's probably the most underrated, underappreciated factor that influences how we manage money and then how our kids will end up managing money as well. So in essence, temperament is our nature. It's our bent. It's kind of the way we come at life. And it goes a long way toward explaining all kinds of things from why some people have a hard time saving and others tend to save too much, uh, why some people are willing to take a lot of risk in their investments and others really prefer to keep it, keep it kind of safe. Um, and so it's such a big factor that, un- that, that identifying our temperament and understanding some of the tendencies, some of the strengths and weaknesses that are inherent in each of these um, temperaments is, is really essential if we're to learn to kind of play to our strengths and manage around some of the weaknesses. Yeah, it's really powerful. And I think a key idea for us to understand as we guide our children in this area. Now, Matt, you write about four of these temperaments, and let's go through them. Uh, We might recognize these in ourselves and our kids. Uh, The first is sanguine. So tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, the sanguine temperament is that sort of likable, outgoing, charming, life-of-the-party sort of person. Uh, Financially, they tend to be naturally very generous, uh, but they don't tend to like to use a budget. They'd rather be out doing things with friends than than crunching some numbers. Um, Tim LaHaye, the late Tim LaHaye, uh, pastor and author, he wrote a lot about temperament. He said he never met a sanguine accountant. (laughs) Yes, that's important to understand. I think we're all quickly formulating in our minds the people, maybe ourselves, that fit into that category. All right, the next on the list is choleric, and not to be confused with colic, which has to do with our kids as well. Uh, What does uh, that temperament look like? 
Yeah, that's right. So the choleric temperament tends to be the person that's kind of the hard-charging type A sort of person. Uh, yeah. Financially, they tend to be really good at setting and accomplishing tough goals, but they can also put too much trust in money, and they can also they're, – they're kind of task-oriented, not so people-oriented. So they, they may have a tendency to kind of run people over in their pursuit of their financial goals. Mm, yeah, that's helpful. And by the way, we're going to talk about how each of these should approach their money management. Uh, let's move on. The next one is melancholy. And by the way, none of these terms sound very much fun, but what do we need to know about this one? Yeah, melancholy sounds sort of dour, right? But but that's that's the term for it. And and so the, the person with the melancholy temperament tends to be very detail-oriented. They're even perfectionistic in some cases. The, these strange birds actually like to use a budget, and I can say it that way because melancholy is my primary temperament type. Yeah. Um, so while they're meticulous planners, really good at using budgets, um, they can also succumb to fear of making a bad decision, which can make them kind of slow to make decisions. Mm, yeah, that's helpful. And then finally, in just about 30 seconds before our first break, phlegmatic. What are the signs for that? The phlegmatics are those even-keeled, steady plotters in the world. They tend to be savers of money and stuff. you got a closet full of stuff. Um, you got a bank account full of a lot of savings. You might be phlegmatic. Um, while they're very reliable, so really great, steady workers, um, their saver mentality can make it hard for them to give. Mm, excellent. Well, what do you do with that? How do you take these temperaments and then guide your children in a way that honors God as they manage money? What are some of the important lessons you need to know? And what about habit formation, which is so key to wise money management? We're talking today with Matt Bell, the author of Trusted, preparing your kids for a lifetime of God-honoring money management. Much more to come just around the corner. Stick around. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Have you downloaded the Faith by app yet? You need to do that today because this is going to make your life easier. Yes, you can manage your money through the in-app envelope feature, but also plan out future goals. I want to buy a house in five years and I'm on track to do that. Here's also what I like. You can connect with people around the country. It's like social media, but better. Ask a question, get an answer and share what you're learning about money and investing. So why don't you grab your phone right now and download the Faith by app. Great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. My guest today, Matt Bell, the managing editor at Sound Mind Investing and author of several books on personal finance, including the one we're discussing today, his latest, Trusted, Preparing Your Kids for a Lifetime of God-Honoring Money Management. Uh, before the break, Matt was talking about our kids' temperaments. Yes, we all have them. There's four that he named that are some of the most popular, and he was talking about how those temperaments shape so many things, but certainly that includes our money management. How does Matt knowing the temperaments of our kids help us to help them in managing money in a way that honors the Lord? 
Yeah, and so first of all, a temperament will start to emerge, we'll start to be able to identify a temperament in one of our kids. At around age 12 or 13 is when we could actually have them take an assessment, which I've got in the book. And so parents can do this, the kids can do this, you can talk about it and try to kind of sort out what is your primary and secondary temperament. But let's say you've got a kid who has a primary sanguine temperament. That's the, if you remember, the outgoing, kind of life of the party, extroverted sort of person. We could encourage them, perhaps, as they start thinking about after-school jobs, get one that involves working with others, not working alone. That'll really uh, kind of fill their tank and motivate them to stay with that sort of work. And because they don't tend to take to the use of a detailed budget, we can encourage them to manage the money that they're earning by using the envelope system, a really big picture, very visual sort of system. Um, or you take a child that has a choleric temperament. That's the hard-charging type A uh, sort. We can encourage them to, to hone their negotiating skills because they'll they'll naturally be really good at that. Um, so take them to garage sales. That's a great place to practice. Um, but as you recall, they tend to be more task-oriented than people-oriented. So we could also encourage them to be sort of mindful of how other people are responding to them, make sure they aren't running over pre- people in pursuit of the best deal. Uh, and ultimately, you want both sides to feel good about about a negotiation uh, once it's over. Oh, that's really helpful. And I think understanding these temperaments is so key. By the way, if you want to try to unpack your kids' temperaments and then know specific ideas on how to guide them, uh, this resource would be wonderful. Pick up a copy of the book, Trusted, today. Uh, Matt, let's move on and talk about financial habits. You know, developing habits is so key to just being a functioning adult, but it's certainly key in this area of financial management. I know in the book you talk about three components to habit formation. I'd love for you to unpack those for us today. Yeah, that's right, Rob. So it's really essential. If we want certain habits to to stick with our kids, it's really important to see, to take this sort of comprehensive approach to cultivating those habits. And so I talk about heart, head, and hands. Uh, heart is worldview. That's our love for Christ, our identity as stewards of God's resources. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. So much of our behavior flows out of our heart. So heart is the first element. Head is the second. That's knowledge. So that's knowledge of God's word. So so we teach our kids you know, verses like in the house of the wise, there's stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish person devours all that they have. And then knowledge is also, well, how do I put that into practice in a really practical way? So we teach them about the, the options, such as an online bank to keep their savings. And then hands is, it has to do with doing real things with real money, preferably their money in the real world. And it's really important to use all three because because they all build on each other. They all reinforce each other. You can't just get two of them without the third if we want to cultivate habits within our kids that are really going to stay with them. Mm. Matt, how have you seen this work itself out with your own kids as you really teach these ideas of habit formation? Yeah, it's it's been a really fun process of discovery. I almost feel apologetic. I've had to use our kids as sort of a living laboratory, <laughs> sure. um, but hopefully I haven't done too much damage. Um, but it, it's you know it's little things. It's like okay, we teach you know a diligent work ethic. We teach them how to mow the lawn. We teach them how to care for the lawnmower. We teach them some of the doing things related to the work that they do around the house. We want them to do it with excellence, without complaint. But we also want to tie it to the bigger picture, to their faith, to what God's word 
Word teaches us that 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 whatever we do, do all things, you know, with with excellence um, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so we want them to take that motivation from God's Word. So we're teaching them; they're actually doing it and getting that hands-on experience. And we're cultivating that. Hey, this all comes not from mom and dad, but this comes really from God's Word. Mm, that's such a big idea. That's great. Uh, Matt, you write about the most important money lesson of all in your book. I'd love for you to share that with our listeners today. Sure. It's it's living with an awareness, Rob, that this is not our home and that even the greatest experiences in this world will never fully satisfy us. Now, that may sound like bad news. It's not bad news. It's it's helpful news because when we see the things of this world from that perspective, it, it, it really frees us to stop looking to them for things that they're not capable of delivering, to, you know, such as meaning and satisfaction. Um, and it enables us to see them for what they really are. They're wonderful, beautiful gifts from, from God who loves us and sees us as his children. And in some cases, you could even really see this as little glimpses of heaven as we experience some of the greatest experiences of this world. But they're not the basis of our identity, our self-worth, our ultimate joy. And so if we can teach that, perspective in our kids, um, what, a, what, a, what a benefit that will be for their whole lives. You know, I love how one of my favorite authors, John Eldridge, summed all this up. He said, the key is to deeply enjoy what there is now to enjoy as we wait with eager anticipation for the true feast that is yet to come. If our kids can gain that perspective, that will serve them well for their entire lives. Well, there's no doubt it will. This is, of course, a real challenge, Matt. I mean, they're constantly being bombarded with pursuit of the temporal. I mean, social media is right in their face every day with the best version of people's lives. They're getting caught up in the comparison trap. They're finding their identity in things. How do we counteract that and cultivate this eternal perspective with this barrage that's coming at them culturally? Yeah, there there are a few keys to that. You're right. That's a huge challenge and, and never more so than, than today because of factors like you're mentioning, such as social media. And so we need to help them understand the truth of who they are. If they've placed their faith in Christ, they are children of God. Um, they're not the brands of clothing they wear or the type of car they'll drive one day. And so we need to cultivate and help them meditate and kind of write the truth of God's word on their hearts so that the messages of this world don't have so much space to get into those hearts. Um, And then I think another really huge factor is gratitude. You know, the culture in so many ways fosters a sense of discontentedness so that it encourages us to to buy more. It tells us we don't have enough and that we are not enough and that our kids don't have enough and that our kids are not enough. Mm. And yet if we can practice that that habit of gratitude, of giving thanks for all the many blessings in life, that is one of the strongest antidotes to the messages of our consumer culture. You're exactly right, Matt. Just a few seconds left. Obviously, generosity breaks the grip of money over our lives. So how do we cultivate that gift of giving? Yeah, I think, you know, again, it goes back to teaching. So we're teaching God's word that part of this is obedience, but part of it is that we are designed in God's image and God is infinitely generous. And so to live generously is to live in concert with our design. We're teaching that to our kids. We're encouraging them to to give towards certain God-honoring causes, to give to our church and to other ministries that God puts on our heart. And we're helping kids kind of map it onto something real. I love to help kids make the connection of the real impact that their generosity dollars are having, whether that's writing to, exchanging letters with a child that we support halfway around the world, or it's seeing the impact that our own church is having in our local community. 
Oh, that's powerful. Well, Matt, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But you've really helped us think about how we can equip our kids to be wise stewards of God's money. Thanks for stopping by. It's my pleasure, Rob. That's Matt Bell, managing editor at Sound Mind Investing. His book is Trusted, preparing your kids for a lifetime of God-honoring money management. Much more to come just around the corner. Stick around. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. If you have money in a retirement account or just a general investing account, you know the stock market can sometimes seem like a roller coaster. But it is possible to enjoy both profit and peace of mind in investing, no matter what's happening in the market. You can see a short video webinar on that topic at soundmindinvesting.org. Since 1990, Soundmind Investing has sought to offer financial wisdom for living well. Soundmindinvesting.org. My name is Kent, and I'm a member of Christian Healthcare Ministries. I have a friend who actually has great insurance, and she recently had a, a life-threatening experience. And she was laying in the hospital bed afraid, not afraid for her life, but afraid of what her insurance would or would not cover. And as a CHM member, I can honestly say I just never have that fear. I can't tell you the, the peace of mind that provides. Learn more about Christian Healthcare Ministries' biblical cost sharing at chministries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West, your host. All right, it's time to turn the corner and take your calls on anything financial. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. We'd love to hear from you with whatever is on your mind, financially speaking, today. Uh, we're going to head to Pennsylvania. Joy, you'll be next on the program. Go ahead. Yes, hi. hi there. I'm calling be Hi, I'm calling because I made a took $120,000 out of my 401k. It's everything that was in there. And I, I spent it over the last four or five years. And I'm not of retirement age. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and you pulled it all just, out in one year. Is that right, Joy? No, no. I did it over a span of a couple years. Okay. All right. And so you've been paying the tax on that each year as uh, you filed your taxes. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And is that 120000 is gone? It's all been spent at this point? Correct. Okay. All right. And so um, how can I help you? What's your main question at this point? How can I redeem this situation? Is there any way I can get back on track? Or um, where do I begin again? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. Listen, uh, we've all made financial mistakes and we can look back and uh, realize that perhaps we should have done things differently. And uh, you're no different than myself or anybody else listening to this program today. So don't be too hard on yourself. I think the key is from this point forward saying that, okay, I'm a steward of God's money. I want to take uh, and, and leverage my role as a manager of God's resources seriously. Uh, and I want to make wise decisions and be faithful in my management uh, of God's funds moving forward. And that includes both um, meeting my needs, covering my expenses, blessing others through my giving, and also saving for the future in an, in an appropriate way. Um, it sounds like you still have time on your side. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 37. 
Okay. So you're 37 years old. I mean, let's say for all intents and purposes, you're going to work for the next 30 years, right? Uh, so you got a lot of years for compounding to work in your favor. The key is to replenish that money that you took out and continue to build beyond that and take advantage of the years, the working years that you have ahead of you. The good news is as you get started in that right now, the market's down. So as you begin to dollar cost average into the market, that is a systematic investment into the stock market, uh, you're at a good starting point. And again, if we're looking with a long time horizon, you should do really well. Uh, but there's a few things we need to address first. I guess my first question would be, um, do you have any consumer debt? Are you carrying balances on credit cards, anything like that? I was, but I declared bankruptcy for that. Okay. All right. And so that's all been discharged, correct? Correct. Okay. And what about your spending plan? Do you have a budget right now that kind of a written uh, you know, list of expenses, both fixed and discretionary, those things you don't get a bill for that happen every month? Not, not yet, but I need okay. to, I need to start there. Yeah. Okay. Well, as a starting point, uh, do you have anything left over in a typical month or do you spend right up to the edge? Um, no, not really. I, I just changed careers. So I took a significant pay cut. So. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah, you don't have a whole lot left over. Um, uh, do you have access at your new employer to a company sponsored retirement plan? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm only working part-time when I left my other job, I had to leave for emotional purposes. Got it. Okay. And do you have any liquid savings? No. Okay. All right. So I think the next step is uh, two, well, three things come to mind. Number one is we've got to work on that spending plan. So especially given that you've taken this pay cut, uh, you know, hopefully you're in a place that, you know, meets your needs and leverages your skill set and is going to be something that will uh, be productive for you moving forward and not create, you know, emotional or physical hardship on you. Um, but we need to right size your spending and make sure that you're living within your means. And that includes not only covering your bills, and that may mean that we've got to dial some things back and make some changes, but you have something left over at the end of the month, because that's going to be key to first, before you think about replenishing a dollar of that 401k that you took out, um, first, you need an emergency fund. Uh, so we need to start building up some money toward our ultimate goal of three to six months expenses. If you're not giving, I'd love for you to start somewhere. That's between you and the Lord. But just that act of giving, that act of worship is going to break the grip of money over your life and just allow you to be connected to something bigger than you. And so I think it's important to establish that rhythm as well. Well, both of those, you're giving and having some margin to fund a savings account, which by the way, I'd, I'd move out of your checking account. I'd have that in an online savings account separate that's maybe linked to your checking, but where you can set up an automatic transfer into that savings account every month so you can start building up that emergency fund. Once we get that up to uh, ideally three months expenses, then we can start looking at, okay, what's now available for you to start putting something away either for another more medium-term goal, like I need to replace a car or I need to buy a house, something like that. Or if you don't have either of those, then starting to put some money aside for the future so you can make an effort toward rebuilding that 120000 And that, apart from a company-sponsored plan, a good starting place would be 
uh, a Roth IRA. Uh, so you could put in $6,500 this year or up to that as long as you have earned income, at least equivalent to that. And that would be just a good beginning point. Now, we're going to ultimately want to get that up to 10 to 15% of your pay. And that means that you may end up running into that cap on what you can put into the Roth IRA. And that's where hopefully either you'll be full, fully employed uh, full time. So you have access to a 401k or we'd need to look at some other options at that point. But I think those are really the key pieces, starting with the budget, um, you know, beginning to save because you've dialed back your spending. So now you have margin beginning to give if you're not already doing that. And then eventually starting to fund retirement through a Roth IRA. Um, what I'd love to do is uh, two things, Joy. I'd love to send you a copy of Howard Dayton's book, Your Money Counts. I want you to read that. That's just going to help you understand God's way of handling money. And I think it'll be an encouragement to you, but it'll take you back to God's word. The other thing I want to do is connect you at our cost, no cost to you, with a certified Christian financial counselor. Because I want somebody to walk alongside you as you put all of this in place, set up that budget, begin to think about how you need to rein in your spending, get the savings account set up, and then eventually start thinking for the future. So if you stay on the line, we'll get your information. I'll send you the book, and then we'll get a uh, CERT CFC to connect with you and begin to walk alongside you in this process. You stay right there, and we're going to get your information. Thanks for your call today. You got this. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.